Hello, and welcome to our Secular Sponsor Speaker Series. Each week, we hear from an Overeaters Anonymous member who has obtained and maintained abstinence without God and has served as a sponsor to other members. The series also provides opportunities for secular OA members who don't have a sponsor or are interested in exposure to a variety of points of view to learn from the experiences of others. We encourage everyone to sponsor others up to the level of their own recovery or to use these tools with each other as peers. If you're willing to sponsor or to work as a peer, please post a message at oasecularforum at gmail.com. For additional information about abstinence without God, go to secularovereaters.org. And now, let's hear from this week's Secular OA sponsor. This is Arlene, and um, Allie said that she would like to go first, so I pass to Allie. Okay, thank you. All right. What I am going to is basically tell my story, and the topic was identifying our food behaviors, our compulsive behaviors. And so with that in mind, I've uh, been in OA uh, for 35 years, started in uh, May of 1985. Um, I had an earlier exposure to OA, but I didn't stay and left and then came back for good in 1985. And my history is I was um, a normal eater as a child until I hit the age of 12 at which point I started restricting and uh, just just restriction. And I've continued that until I hit my uh, mid-20s, at which point I got a little tired of, uh, of the restricting and got so hungry that occasionally I was having binges um, when I would just couldn't handle the, the starving anymore. And what happened, then I started a decade long of the yo-yoing, where I would restrict my weight down to a certain level, a certain number. And as soon as a scale said that I was at that number, I would jump off and almost literally run to the kitchen and start eating. And then I would binge my way back up to a certain weight where I, you know, put the restrictions back on and I would take that weight off. And I did that for years. Um, But as they say in programming, this disease is progressive. And that was my case for sure. Um, It eventually became, when I first found OA, I was, uh, two weeks was all I could do on restricting before I'd have a binge. And by the time, uh, three years later, and when I came in for good, there was no restricting. It was just continually eating and gaining weight and trying to shove down all the feelings that I was trying to bury. Um, And I had come in because I needed to be around people who understood me, the way I ate, why I ate, you know, that they, I knew I'd be in a room of people that were just like me and understood me where nobody else would. One of the step one is, is, um, you know, realizing that I have a problem. And also one of the first things my sponsor had me do was to write down what my binge foods were and what my behaviors were around food. 
And so some of my behaviors were I was inhaling my food. I discovered that, uh, that I only chewed three times and swallowed, didn't matter what it was. And because of that, I never tasted anything. Um, I planned my next meal while I was eating the current one. I don't know how many times I would reach down for a second half of a sandwich to find out it was missing and not remembering eating it. Um, I was sneaking my food. Um, I was eating my binge foods while I was cooking and um, preparing meals. And then when the meal was over, I would stand over the sink and eat all the leftovers. I had to sit down and identify all these behaviors, um, which helped me then see, you know, what my abstinent behaviors needed to be. Um, Let's see, the the crazy behavior with food kept me stuck in the disease and I had to identify my, my problem foods, you know, because by identifying my problem foods and staying away from those, the cravings went away. And which made it a lot easier to uh, make the changes that I needed to do. Um, so um, OA defines abstinence as the act of refraining from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors while working towards or maintaining a healthy body weight. So by um, that then defined what my abstinence was, was refraining from those eating behaviors. So one of the things I um, made an effort to do was to eat slower, uh, chewing my food longer, occasionally putting my forks down because that was uh, nearly impossible uh, before, once I started eating, there was no putting anything down. Um, I, you know, obviously didn't sneak my food. Uh, I made phone calls when I was preparing dinner or my preparing my meals so that I would keep my focus on the conversation and not be eating. And I did the same thing. I'd make another phone call when I was um, clearing the table. And therefore, I wouldn't stand at the sink and uh, eat all the leftovers. And, um, and so that's still one of my things that I do not allow myself to stand up and eat. Uh, if I catch myself doing that uh, in the kitchen, I make myself sit down so it feels more like a meal. It's just, you know, it just reminds me of those bad behaviors, bad habits I had. And so I think we all can identify what those food behaviors are. Each of us are unique and and, uh, can think of others or things that you have um, that keeps you crazy. Uh, For me, it it just was part of my insanity was the sneaking around and the binging um, and and the shame that came with it. Um, And so I'm just glad that when I found this, program that I could identify those things that were my trouble areas and I had the willingness to to uh, do that and uh, to make the changes in that and then uh, like I said for me the sponsor having a sponsor was just crucial of just helping me um, learn what I needed to do and part of like I said step one is doing this um, uh, identifying these behaviors and my food issues so with that, I'm going to pass. 
Thank you, Allie. This is Arlene. Uh, when Jim asked us to do, asked me to do this, I was willing to step up. I come from a background where we do things in panels because uh, somebody recently said, and, and it sort of echoes my philosophy, um, a sponsor isn't a stage on the stage, but a guide by my side. And it felt important to me that uh, the people who are listening, who are looking to learn how to sponsor, hear that there's so many approaches, and you know, not, not no one of us has all the answers. Together, we can. Uh, I could tell my story. A lot of it would sound like Allie's. It's one of the reasons I I wanted uh, her to be with this because uh, so many of us are similar in so many ways. What we're supposed to, our topic focus today is step one. With Allie giving her background, I was going to go at it a little bit differently so that you don't have two of the same. And I'll start with saying that I got dragged to this fellowship July 18th, 1999. I have kept coming back every single week, every single day I get up. This is my focus. Uh, I have this disease. That's it. It's here. It's not going to disappear. I have to live with it. What I know about sponsorship uh, wouldn't fill a symbol and would overflow an ocean. So some of the things I'd like to share is that an image I have of sponsoring is that when we come in, we are like a beautiful locket, a beautiful jewel hanging off a gold link necklace. That jewel at the base of the necklace, that's the newcomer. We are the focus of attention. We sparkle, we shine, everybody looks at us. And we stay in that position until we get the sense that we can ourselves become sponsors, and then we become one of the gold links in the chain. We're just another gold link. But that chain is important because that chain keeps everything going. Today, I want to be a gold link. I, I, was that, I was that object of attention. I want to be the gold link. I want to be useful. Uh, what is my role in sponsoring? And, and sorry if these are random. I've written and I've done this skatey eight times since, since Jim came up with this idea, and each one is different. My role is to be that witness, to be that person who is willing to show up every day. I think one of the things they say is, you know, suit up and show up. That's that's my purpose as a sponsor, to be there. Am I perfect? No. I share up to the level of my experience, or as one of my favorite people says, my ignorance. And I am willing to say, I know or I don't know, or let's find out. I don't have to be perfect. I will never be perfect. That is a good thing to know. I can let you know what worked for me. I can let you know what my sponsor did for me. Uh, she gave me questions that first day. Uh, it was the eighth day in program. I, it was actually my fifth meeting. And she said, okay, when you call me, and it was 15 minutes early that I've been getting up, but I had to do it if that's when I wanted to reach her. And by the way, she'd already been to the gym and back, showered, dressed, was eating her breakfast, and as soon as we hung up the phone, she was out the door to work. So how could I not call at this terrible early hour? 
the question I had to answer for the first day is what were my binge foods and what were my binge behaviors? Not an easy thing because I figured if I tell her this, she's going to suggest that I don't eat these things. Was I really willing to give them up? Was I willing to be dishonest with this person who was offering to help? I decided, no, I would be honest. She also had me write my definition of abstinence. I hadn't a clue what that magic word meant. She, when I gave her those answers the next day, she asked me the last time I ate my binge foods. I told her it was nine days ago because I hadn't eaten them on my first day in program and I hadn't eaten them since. I'll tell the rest of that story next week because I'm also one of the speakers next week. We'll we'll do food next week. Um, and and she said you're abstinent. <laughs> that was one of the scariest things anybody's told me in program. I worked the steps every day. Uh, she gave me questions. I did my food inventory, etc. One day I said to her, "The funniest thing happened yesterday. Somebody asked me to sponsor." And she said, what did you say? And I said, no, you know, I'm a baby. I'm new at this thing. I don't know how many months I was in. I was abstinent. I'd been working the steps. She said, you need to find that person and tell them yes. I said, I'm not ready. She said, yes, you are. I really wasn't willing, but I wasn't willing to argue with my sponsor, so I did it. That gal was somebody who had been in relapse. What she saw in me was somebody who was hanging on to recovery, hanging on to abstinence. How in the world was I doing it if she, with her years in program, couldn't? Was I willing to share that with her? Yes, I was. Did I do sponsorship perfectly? Nope. But she started teaching me how to be a sponsor by our daily interactions, just as my sponsor was teaching me. Over the years, I've developed a couple of rules. My first rule, very important. Are you listening? Spelling doesn't count. What we write is for ourselves and for ourselves only. It doesn't matter how we spell it, what our handwriting looks like, what our paper is, or digital. The point is to do it. I've learned to do that. The second thing that I learned from my first sponsor is that I need to commit a certain amount of time, seven days a week, to do my step work, like it or not. It doesn't matter if it's a one-minute daily commitment or a three-minute or a 15-minute. It's what I am willing to commit to for today, and that's what I do. And I ask my sponsees to do those two things. Spelling doesn't count and commit to writing. My sponsor asked me how many tools I work each day. I learned that if I work as many tools as possible, that that keeps me abstinent better. Uh, there are two schools of thought with sponsoring. One is that there's specific requirements to be a sponsor. You have to have so many days of abstinence or work a certain number of steps or whatever, or go through some step-up procedure. That's one, one philosophy in OA. The other philosophy is if you have even one day of abstinence, of recovery, then you have something to give to someone else. And that's the co-sponsoring idea that, that Jim and a bunch of us have said, you know, this is going to work. This is going to help people who are currently looking for sponsors to have the support that they need and and work out for themselves what it is they need. Um what else? I ask my sponsees, 
when, when somebody says, will you sponsor, I ask them, what are you looking for in a sponsor? And they tell me, here's the bad news. No sponsor can transfuse abstinence into a sponsee. We each have to find it when we're ready. We each sponsor when we're ready. We each sponsor in our own way. Is it good enough? For today, I have to agree that what I do, if I do it with an open, loving, willing heart, it's good enough for today. And if it's not, I really hope my sponsee will say, that's not what I need from you, because it's a two-way street. And the thing I'd like to close with is, why do I sponsor? I sponsor because of seventh tradition. Even if I was as rich as the richest people we know, I would never be able to give back in funds what OA has given me. So I give back in gratitude and service. Is it payment in full? Nope. It just offsets it a little bit. And and that's it. That's what each of us does. Uh, I hope in the workshops that the question that, that you might want to think about with each other is, what do I want from a sponsor? And what do I have that I could give to a sponsee? I pass. So um, thank you so much. That was um, wonderful. Everybody should applaud visually on the screen. That was quite good. They won't be able to hear it so well. It's fantastic. And what if it, I don't know whether you really talked much about this, but if you could spend five minutes with one of you kind of being the quote-unquote sponsor and the other kind of being the sponsee and just sort of model just a conversation because we're going to ask people to try that with each other and see what it might look like. Usually I, I start off with asking how um, when I first get with a sponsee, if we've been working together is asking her how her week went or his week went. Cause I let's have, just, let's just do that now. So Arlene, how did your week go? Well, to tell the truth, I have a good example. Uh, the other night things went badly. I get up very, very early in the morning, which means I go to sleep at a fairly early hour. So I get seven hours. Well, the other day, I fell asleep before dinner, and I woke up just about midnight, and that put me out of sorts. So what did I do? I have a rule. The rule is that if I have slept a certain number of hours and I wake up, then I have to have breakfast within an hour of that. So out of sorts, unwilling, off my schedule, that's what happened that night. I woke up. I looked at the clock. It's like, I'm eating in the middle of the night. No, I'm not. I had a long sleep. I didn't eat dinner. My blood sugar is low. I need to eat breakfast. I got up and I made breakfast. I committed the rest of my food. I I am co-sponsoring with somebody as of a week ago because of uh, circumstances that came about. And I, I texted her my food. I had my breakfast and I proceeded with my day. Was I happy? Nope. Was I willing? Yes. Did I do okay, sponsor? Am I all right? Am I abstinent? Yes, I was going to say, you you've, you did. You followed your program, and that's what's important. Is uh, I'm, always in, I'm always encouraging just to keep moving forward. Um, you know, things are going to come up, and if we can handle those uh, sanely using the steps, that's uh, the most important thing. 
is not to get trapped into, um, you know, our old behaviors that, you know, um, saying, oh, well, this is just going to mess it up, so I might as well do whatever. But you followed, you had a guideline, and you stuck with it. So I think you did really well. Okay, what could I have done better? Okay. I don't know that you could have because the guidelines that you followed were for yourself. So um, I do tend to sponsor, um, you know, trying to let each sponsee find their way that works for them. And because uh, I think that is important. We're all different. And I explain that we each have, you know, we're all on the same path in the sense of with a common goal. But the path we take may differ of how we work the steps or adapt them to our life. And um, and so with with uh, you, Arlene, you, you know, you had the certain guidelines and you followed that guideline. So I think you did just fine. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Ellie, anything else you would do if you was your sponsee? No, uh, other than just, um, you know, just keep going forward that uh, following what she can of the program. And, and if we were working, if she's working on a particular step, we would go have a discussion on that step mm-hmm. and then, then assign the next step. So, um, but yeah, it's, uh, the important thing, I think, is when I ask them how their week went, sometimes that that determines, you know, because uh, it's the day-to-day stuff that can trip us up. And so I always um, like to start off that way, because if there is an issue, then we can, you know, well, how did you handle that? Did you eat over it? Did, you know, it's... Um, because for me, I know it's just the day to day. Sometimes the the uh, I find the the more difficult things. It's easier to stick to program. It's the routine day to day stuff that I let my guard down, and then I can really slip up. Thank you for joining us today. To hear recordings of other speakers in this series, visit secularovereaters.org. And while you are there, please consider making a donation to support our work. <laughs>